0: Good morning church. Nice to see you all here this morning, uh, gathered with us here in person. Welcome to everyone joining us online, on Facebook, on the radio, on podcast. By whatever means you're joining us this morning, we welcome you. It's been kind of a crazy little morning here, but I I think we're going to make it. Um, I'm Kobe Pulse filling in for Dan, uh, Pastor Dan this morning. He's he's on a retreat at home. So I don't know how the virtual retreat to this uh, couple for a couple days. And uh, so here we are. Um, it's glad to glad to have you all join us this morning. Um, for those at home, uh, this is Communion Sunday. So just a reminder, if you want to run and grab some bread and juice and have ready for uh, for the Lord's Supper later in the service. Also, uh, this is a special Sunday because this is All Saints Sunday, Um You'll notice there's some maybe extra things up at the front here. Uh, we've got a cross over here to my right. Um, it's a new cross that was built, and uh, on the cross are bells hanging for each one of the saints that have passed during the this last year since since last All Saints Sunday. So we have, I believe it's 21, 22 uh, folks that we are remembering and celebrating. Uh, saints of the church, folks either directly connected to our church or connected to the families of our church that we're going to remember and celebrate this morning. And then over here on my left, this is crosses from the previous years. Those saints have passed on two, three, many years ago that we still remember. We still have memories of them. We still probably miss them on their birthdays, holidays, and those memories that come up. And we remember, you know, Grandma used to always make the best fill in the blank. I remember he used to always say, fill in the blank. We remember those people that have touched our lives, guide us, and helped us shape us into the folks that we are today. So we gather this morning remembering all these folks. Uh, We're lighting extra candles this morning. There's some colorful candles that kind of uh, go along with our service, our All Saints service. We'll uh, go through those a little bit later and the meaning of each one of those, but it's just kind of this reminder that as we go through this time of loss, as we lose these folks that have this wonderful effect on our lives, we don't go through that loss alone, that we have God with us, Jesus is with us, but we also have family with us as well. And we'll light this Pascal candle for a reminder of all the saints that have gone on before us. So let's all rise as the light of Christ comes to join us. We sing 10,000 Reasons. 10,000 Reasons God of mercy, God of blessing. We gather this morning for this special Sunday, remembering those that have passed on, that have been the saints of the church, done so much glorious work in your name and your honor. We remember them, we celebrate them, and in doing so, we realize that that makes us now the saints of the church. That as they've passed there's work to be done all that they've done through the years to do your ministry in this community someone needs to step in and to take that over to continue to do your work in this community and as that responsibility falls upon us your people we realize sometimes we fall short Sometimes we fail. We confess to you that we don't always do the best we can. We don't always have the love that we're supposed to have. As we gather here to worship you this morning, we pray for your forgiveness where we fall short. We pray for your grace where we need encouragement. We pray for your strength where we need courage to go and to do the work that needs to be done as your people gathered together in your name we come worshiping you with all that we are and now we lift our voices together in the prayer that our savior jesus taught us how to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses It's uh, an honor for me to get to be here this morning. Is, well, I guess I'm here most mornings, um, unless I'm in quarantine or something, apparently. Um, but uh, it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, I, get to, I get to speak this morning, tell you what's on my mind, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, being All Saints Sunday, um, I was uh, reading through some scripture, and uh, there was this one that just really stood out to me this week. Um, there's this uh, scripture in the book of, of Revelation that really stood out. And so, um, so I thought we would read that scripture this morning. It is uh, in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, um, but just a little bit of background. Revelation was a, it was a, it's written by someone named John. I think a lot of times in the church, um, a lot of folks in the church just assume the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation where it says John, that those are all just the same guy. And so they might be, sometimes theologians kind of disagree on actually who may have wrote this and who didn't write it, um, but whoever it was, there was a guy named John that had this, had this dream or a vision, maybe is the better way to say it, that he had this vision of things that were to come. And at the time that he wrote this, um, the church was about to experience um, great persecution. To be a Christian those first couple hundred years of, of the church meant literally that you were risking being brutally tortured or horrifically executed with such great pain and suffering, um, that's kind of what it meant to be a Christian, was you were risking your physical well-being just to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so in this vision, John kind of gives these warnings about some things that were to come, some pain, some, some things that they were going to experience that were to come. But also, in the midst of all this weirdness that's in the book of Revelation, there's also these little glimpses of hope. Um, there's an author that I like named N.T. Wright. He calls these glimpses of heavenly realities. We get these little glimpses of, of better things that are to come, not just the horrible things that, you know, that are going to be taking place or happening, but there's also these little glimpses of, of hope as well. So in, this, in these realities that we see, these heavenly realities, we see that there is this God and what is called the Lamb of God, who we believe to be Jesus Christ, that they've accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished for our victory, our rescue, or our salvation. Whichever word you want to use there, it's kind of used those interchangeably in the the Scripture, that we are rescued not just from the suffering of this world and this life, but we're also rescued from the sin. We're rescued from this, this power that brings us pain, emotional and mental and maybe physical pain as well, this, this force, this power that, that seems to kind of always try to get a grip on us, we're rescued from that as well. This other reality that we kind of see in this is that, that those who follow this Lamb of God, those that put their faith, their hope, their trust in this Lamb named Jesus Christ will certainly experience a time of suffering, but they will be brought into this place where They were worshiping, serving God all eternity with no pain, with no suffering whatsoever. So here in Revelation chapter 7, we'll begin in verse number 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is a wonderful word of hope from our God to us. Amen. In this uh, passage of Scripture, there's a couple of verses that really stand out, uh, as I read through them anyway. Um, there's this, in verse 9, that starts off with this, this huge crowd of people, this great multitude is what it calls it. And uh, they're gathered before the throne of God. Now, Many times the scripture talks about a great multitude. When Jesus was going around and speaking, it talks about the great multitude that would gather around Jesus. And a couple of times it gives us some numbers, right? Um, it talks about Jesus feeding 5,000 or 4,000 men, and that doesn't even count the women and children that were gathered there as well. So, you know, we're guessing maybe 10,000, 15,000 people might have been all gathered around trying to listen to Jesus. But this is something a little bigger than just, than just a few thousand people. I think this is more like thousands upon thousands, maybe more like millions and millions of people gathered here before the throne of God. They're all gathered there. I mean, it is not just, wow, this is, you know, this multitude of a few thousand. No, this is a multitude of millions of people, and they're all there. Where did they all come from? Look at all these people gathered, and they're people from every, says says, they're from every nation, they're from every tribe, from every language. Today, we would say they're from every race, every gender, every color, There are people from all different places around the world that live all different kinds of lifestyles and different cultures and different traditions from all over the place, all gathered here before the throne of God. And verse 12 tells us that they're singing this great hymn of praise, praising the one who is good, noble, wise, powerful, praising the one from whom all blessings flow, right? And John is there, this this man John, Uh, he's not just a fly on the wall watching what's happening. He's not just you know somewhere witnessing this. He's right in the middle of it all. He's right there in the middle of it all, and one of the elders that's there, one of the 24 elders that Revelation talks about, is there and comes up to him and says, who are all these people? Where did all these people come from? Look at them all. Now, there's a couple things. Maybe he didn't really know where are these people come from, and he's asking John, you know, if all of a sudden a big crowd of people just showed up and they're swarming all around you, you might grab one of them and say, what in the world is going on? Where are all these people coming from? What are you guys doing here? You know, what's happening right now? That may be kind of what's happening with this elder. He's not sure what's happening. He just grabs one of them and, and says, what's going on? Or maybe he already knew and uh, was just kind of seeing if John really understood what was happening. But whatever's going on, I kind of think, personally, well, first, what do you think? You've got brains. You've got the ability to reason. You've got the ability to read Scripture and understand it. Do you think maybe he kind of had an idea what was going on? He was just testing John? Or do you think maybe he was just overwhelmed with the number of people and wasn't sure exactly what's happening? Where did all these people come from? You can reason that, right? Right? So I'm not going to tell you what I think. You think. You read scripture. What do you think? He's in the middle of this, and there's all these people. Where are they from? And John's like, buddy, I'm in the middle of the crazy. this is the craziest dream I've ever had. I have no idea what's going on here. You tell me what's going on. And either he already knew, or maybe he had a moment of realization and he's like, oh, now I get it. These are they that came out of great suffering. That's who these are. These are those that that came out of this time of of suffering and struggle and battle, the ones that held on to their faith in the darkest times, the ones that cried out to God in their deepest hurt. These are they that, even in the greatest of times, thanked God and praised God for all the good, and when they were at their lowest moments, still praised God and thanked God because God is good. These are they that were faithful through all the ups and downs of life. That's who they are. And now they're before the throne of God and they're worshiping and they're singing this great hymn of praise and they will never hunger, they will never thirst again. They'll never know pain like they knew before. That's all gone now because now they have the lamb that is going to be the shepherd. One of the great little twists in the Bible where the lamb's the shepherd, you know how the Bible twists things around like that. But now they're in this place where they are in the presence of God. Not just the presence of God in them, they are in the presence of God. And the pain is gone, and the tears are gone. These are they that stood with God, and in the darkest times they knew, while no one else maybe is standing with me, God is with me. When no one else is is able to be around me because we have to stay distant from one another, Jesus is right here with me, guiding me calling to me, comforting me, telling me I'm here. In the midst of this crazy time that we're in, we still have this God saying, I see your suffering. I see your loneliness. I know that you want to grieve with loved ones, and right now you just can't because you can't be around each other. I see it, and I'm with you in this time. These are they who have come out Of the great suffering. Now, there's a little bit of debate on what that great suffering actually means. Um, Some theologians think it means strictly that first couple hundred years. Like I said, it was this great uh, time of persecution where they were just horrifically tortured and executed. And so a lot of folks believe that this, speaking directly towards those couple hundred years where Christians were killed for their faith in Jesus other theologians believe that it's this time of tribulation that is yet to come. There's a great tribulation yet to come, and this is talking about those that are coming out of that time that that we haven't quite seen yet, but there are others that say, well, maybe it's one or those or both of those, or maybe it's simply the suffering that we experience in everyday life, because there is certainly suffering in everyday life. There's so much hunger And I don't mean like I'm kind of hungry right now and I'm ready for lunch. I mean extreme hunger where I don't know if I'm going to get to have lunch or dinner today or tomorrow. There's extreme poverty. There's so much hate and violence and abuse. We have cruel diseases that destroy our physical abilities, our mental abilities natural disasters that just wipe out. When when everything is going good on a sunny day, the next day maybe a storm comes in and wipes out everything we have in this life. Maybe, probably, the worst suffering of all is losing someone that we love so dearly. It's probably the greatest suffering of all, isn't it? Someone that just loves us, and we love them in return, and they're there, and then one day they're not. Is a great suffering that we experience. Slowly watching them get weaker. Slowly watching them get sicker. Maybe they gradually start to forget who we are. Or maybe one day everything's going as normal and there's a phone call and they're gone. We didn't have that chance to say I love you one more time. That's probably the greatest suffering we have in this life is the loved ones that are here and then they're not. We have their memories. We have their memories, and we have the, the loved ones that we can have conversation with to remind us of them, that, that they're not gone completely, they're gone physically, but their spirit is still here, and they're still with us in the memories and in the sharing with one another, the stories that we get to tell about grandma's baking and somebody else's handiwork, Those stories we get to tell about the lives they live and the effect they had in not just our lives, but the community around them, in the church, what they did in the ministry, in the, in the Sunday school classrooms, or helping to build a church, or whatever it was they did to, to have an effect on the community and the lives around them, all these wonderful stories we get to share. But the fact is, we can't put our arms around them and hug them because they've gone on, and it hurts. That's probably the greatest suffering we have in this lifetime. Sometimes life feels kind of like a bad dream. It really does. With sufferings and whether it's whatever kind of suffering it is, life can sometimes seem like like a horrible nightmare that we just want to wake up from. And we think if we can just close our eyes, close our ears, take a deep breath, and we'll wake up and maybe things will all be okay and there'll be peace, there'll be comfort. But that's not the way it is in this life. There's moments of peace. There's glimpses of of God at work. But then there's still this suffering. The health issues, the worldly issues, the separation between us and loved ones. There's still that suffering. So where do we look to for hope? Because we do struggle. We do battle right? Where do we look to for hope? Well, as crazy as it sounds, if you've ever read this book of Revelation, we actually look to Revelation for hope. This book that's got so many crazy, baffling disasters and these strange creatures that are listed and confusing images and metaphors has glimpses of hope, this reality that is to come. The elder asks John, who are these people? And then he answers, these are they. These are they who recognize that God's grace was being poured into their lives, and by their faith they received that grace. And in Jesus Christ they were born into this new life with God. These are they who were faithful in the darkest of times and they come and worship anyway. That when everything outside their, themselves was maybe falling apart within them, they were still singing God's praises. They were faithful through the ups and the downs and through it all, they still had love for neighbor as well. Who are these people? These people are, this is the great multitude singing and serving God They are the loved ones in Christ that we have who gave everything while they were here on earth to serve God and love us as best they could and love those around them. And then they have gone on before us. These are those that fought cancer, dementia, depression, who trusted in Christ through it all, especially when they were in the nursing homes alone and their family was not allowed to see them. Who are these people? Actually, they are us. They are us today, weeping by grave sites in socially distant numbers, but yet rejoicing in the promise that those who believe and trust and commit their entire being to God will have this day where every tear is wiped away, where we will cry no more by grave sites because we will no longer be separated from those that we love. We will no longer experience that suffering ever again. God wipes away those tears. Who are these people that are gathered around this throne of God singing God's praises? They are the ones that come after us. They're our children and our children's children. They are the ones who are being brought up. They are the future of this church that depend on us to guide them and teach them and raise them up in the faith as we have been taught. These people gathered around the throne of God, these multitude of people, Worshiping, singing God's praise, how great God is in all power and honor and glory and wisdom and thanks and strength to God forever and ever. Amen. They're singing. Who are these millions and millions of people? They're the loved ones that have passed on. They're the loved ones who are here and the loved ones we are raising up to be the saints of the church. That's who they are is that you? Are you part of this great big crowd? Are you taking part? As we gather in the churches and as we sing God's praise, sometimes we can kind of still maybe not quite be as close to God as what we want to be. Or maybe sometimes I know a lot of folks that we kind of get into this idea that we have faith and we're connected with God, yet there's no example of God really being within us where there's no real love for others, there's no love for our neighbor and we're not even really raising our children to kind of believe and trust and have this faith in Jesus Christ. There's this huge multitude of people gathered around the throne, but we also have to stop and ask, is that me? Am I a part of that? Am I a saint of the church? This example that these folks have given to me on how to go and live a life of faith, am I following in, that, in those footsteps? God blesses us with so many wonderful people to guide us and direct us. And as we celebrate these saints that have so greatly touched our lives, we have to feel compelled. The faith that they had, that trust in Jesus that they had, I think I need that too. if if I believe that that this saint of the church is a part of this great multitude with white robes singing praise to God, I see their example, that they was trying to be a living example of Jesus Christ. And that points me towards the way that I'm supposed to be living my life, but also as I'm supposed to be teaching them how to live their life. That's a saint. Completely giving my life to Jesus Christ in all aspects of my life, loving neighbor, loving enemy, loving those in the community around me, doing what I can to make life better in the lives around me, at the same time raising up those that God has entrusted to me to carry on the faith of the church, to be the church from generation to generation until that day that we are all gathered before the throne in white robes, rescued from that power that tries to pull us away, in white robes, no longer stained from that sin that separates, worshiping God forever and ever and ever. God reaches into our lives. He's pouring this grace over and over, and every day we respond, either by accepting it and living within it, or we respond by ignoring it and saying, ah, maybe not right now, and stepping away from it. But God's always pouring this grace, and it's always up to us to receive it and to walk in this light of Christ. That's a saint. So as we celebrate these folks this morning and remember their lives, the difference they made, I think we also need to remember their example. Their example of faith and trust in Christ. Their example of, in the darkest moments, still turning to God and believing, trusting that God will meet them there. Let us be they who endure the pains with joy in our hearts, singing all praise and glory and honor to God forever and ever. Amen. Holy God, we bless your name this morning, and we thank you for all of your servants who have finished their course and now rest from their labors. Grant us the grace to continue in their example of commitment and faithfulness that those, your sons and daughters, have provided for us and help us to walk in that, continue in that with faith, to your glory forever and ever. Amen. And now if you would please join me In the great thanksgiving, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere, O God, to give you our thanks and praise. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God of Miriam and Moses. You are the God of the priests and prophets. You are the God of Mary and Joseph, the apostles and the martyrs. You are the God of our mothers and our fathers, our brothers and our sisters. You are the God of our children and the generations yet to come. And so with all your people on earth, And all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering Death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, your people, your children, your saints. You delivered us from the slavery of sin and death, and you made with us a new covenant by the water and the Spirit. And on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he broke bread, gave thanks to you, and he gave to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, and he gave thanks to you, gave to his disciples, and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice In union with Christ's offering for us, as we proclaim the mystery of our faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here in person and online, and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with all of your saints, especially those whom we will name now before you. Donna D. Price. Elbert Gabber, Gabby Hinsler, Marilyn stepp. James Lauren Sullivan, Sr. Richard Butts. Kimberly Ann Gebauer. Linda Madison. Marguerite Hawks. Jerry Vincent Kimbrell. Virginia May Hoffman. Bill Max Sharp, Janine Renee Heisler, Willis McIntyre. Francis Marie Simmons, Joseph Bill William Hendricks, Michael John Early. Eleanor Dice Montgomery. Robert Donald Early. Richard Whelan. Gerald Ike Isaac Taylor. Dan Connor. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. you have your bread and your cup. This is the body of Christ, the Lamb of God, broken and given for you. This is the cup of the new covenant that we have, the promise that we have, the hope that we have through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Christ invites you to come, take and eat, and take and drink in remembrance of Him. You may do that now. In this meal, we're reminded that While we are physically separated from our loved ones, spiritually we are never separated. We are always in communion with those around us, the church that we have around us. But by the Spirit, we're also still in communion with all the saints and all the heavenly hosts that have gone on before us. Let us remember that as we come together in this time.
1: On the table before you are seven lit candles. White is the Christ candle. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world of darkness we all experience when death comes. The Christ candle in the center reminds us of Christ's presence daily in our lives. Brown, grief. The Apostle Paul tells us that grief is always natural and normal after we lose a loved one. But the Apostle goes on to say we do not grieve as the world does. For in Christ, to whom we turn, we have assurance of his continual presence. Orange. Courage. Because of their courage and God's grace, each was able to face the uncertainties of the future and make the most of life. They have now finished their race. Their courage can become a means of encouragement for ourselves. Red, love. Love is the greatest gift one can give or receive in this life. That gift of commitment, kindness, patience, forgiveness, and acceptance is the foundation of the life you've had with your loved one. Yellow, hope. Because we know Christ conquered death by his death and resurrection, we have assurance after death that we will enter into the presence of Christ. We, will know, we know we will spend an eternity with him. That is beyond the best we can imagine in this life. Green, faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Though we do not see God, we know that God is ever-present and providing the grace needed daily. Knowing all God's promises are true Provides the ability to walk with him in faith with the assurance of the life to come. Multicolored, our memories. This candle is made of different colors which remind us that life has a wide variety of events, emotions, experiences we have had. The various colors speak of those in a way no one color can. God uses our memories to help bring comfort and healing as we continue to live lives without that loved one. With these candles lit in our time of loss, by God's grace, let us find comfort in our grief, peace in our sorrow, strength in weakness, and courage to face whatever tomorrow may bring. And let us be reminded that in the midst of our loss, we are surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who grieve with us and share in our burden.
2: Please join me in prayer. We give you thanks, O God, for all the saints who have ever worshipped you, whether in grass huts or grand cathedrals, little country churches, or brick buildings on Main Street, where your name was lifted and adored. We give you thanks, O God, for hands lifted in praise Manicured hands, or hands stained with grease or soil. Strong working hands, or hands weakened with age. Holy hands, used as wave offerings across your lands. We thank you, God, for hard working saints, whether hard-hatted or still booted, uniformed or aproned, blue-collared or three-piece suited. They left their mark on the earth for you, for us, for our children to come. Thank you, God, for the tremendous sacrifices made by those who have gone before us. Please bless the memories of your saints, God. May we learn how to walk wisely from their examples of faith, dedication, worship, and love. Amen.
0: Us be they that cling to Christ no matter what we're experiencing the ups, the downs, the pains, the joys. And we cling to Christ and sing God's praises all day, always, and forever. Go forth in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Be the church, be the saints raising up the future church. Amen. <laughs>